Hello and welcome to today's Total Entertainment Podcast with me, Paul Collis. And today we're going to take a look at Michael Ball and Alfie Bode's December tour. So coming into the arena, it's a five truck show. So four trucks parked in the yard, one truck parked on the road, and you have four tour buses. So they basically, they kept the LX team, the AV team, the sound team, and the band on different buses to just keep it easier for transport, as well as keeping people in their own little team bubbles. And coming into the arena, they haven't got massive line arrays. No, they've got some wide ones, and they're only nine speakers deep, and you've also got the uh, 45 degree outwards line array as well to give the surround sound effect. You've got two bass bins either side of the stage, and a couple of front fills in between the two bass bins lining the middle of the stage. Also, their stage is set up differently. They've got what's called a thrust stage. And if you don't know what a thrust stage is, it's basically it's basically the normal stage with a bit in the middle coming out as a mini catwalk. It's not that deep, it's only uh, two stage panels deep. So not a big one. I've seen longer thrusts as well as having uh, the main stage as well. So it is what it is and they like that because they like to come closer to the audience. Although, to be fair, the audience hasn't shifted that much because where they take an audience away from the front of the stage they just shoved them to the side so they've not really gained anything and um, you've got a couple of seats at a couple of rows of seats at the front stage left and stage right that have to crook their necks so they can see the uh, principles as they come forward simple as really simple as they've kept the lighting rig as simple as possible because they want to do it on a shoestring budget as it's only a one month tour and they knew that with the uh, restrictions that were impending that they've been talked about they just cut back just in case they couldn't sell enough tickets which is understandable because at the end of the day it's a business it's show business and it has to operate at a profit and not a loss or it'll just cost too much money to set up so lighting wise they've got a massive handful of uh, washers, LED washers and some LED profiles. You've got a couple of LED strobes and that's about it. Nothing massive because it's not needed. It's not needed. It's not that kind of show. It's going to be show tunes and Christmas tunes because it's December and a few movie themes. And that's pretty. Me- that's going to be pretty much it, I would say. Although... Um, we may be pleasantly surprised with uh, with more unusual songs for them to sing. You never know. You never know. Staging-wise, so not only have they got the thrust, but they've got different tiers for the different sections of band. Down stage left, you've got some stalls. And those stalls are obviously uh, there waiting for uh, our principals. Keep them handy. And also, I guess they're going to do a nice little bit tucked up on that little bit of stage. Then behind them, you've got a synth and the guitars, well, most of the guitars. Then you've got the drums. Then after that, you've got another guitar stage right. Then you've got the strings, which which are going to be violin and cello. And then you'll also have some horns in there and some brass as well. Then on a riser down stage right, you've got some space for you got space for backing singers 
and then you've got the grand piano downstage right. So yeah, it's similar to Gary Barlow's setup. It's just not as showboaty with LEDs and everything like like that. It's just more of a simple setup, more of a theatrical setup, shall we say? Now we've had a bit of the stage and the setup. We're going to take a look at uh, Alfie Bow and uh, Michael Ball's history. We'll be back after this. Warning, this podcast contains strong, offensive and misogynistic language that some listeners may find offensive. The name's Vert. Percival Reginald Vert. And I run the P-Vert Detective Agency. The year is 2055 and the police have been defunded. So if you need a police investigation, the cops will charge you a thousand big ones a day. Because of this, the government introduced the PI Act, where the private investigators can undercut the police so justice can become affordable. These are my case files. And we're back. So let's start off with Michael Ball. Michael Ashley Ball, OBE, born 27th of June 1962 is an English singer, presenter and actor. He made his West End debut in 1985 playing Marius in the original London production of The Miserable and went on to star in 1987 as Raoul in The Phantom of the Opera. In 1989 he reached number two in the UK singles chart with Love Changes Everything, a song taken from the musical aspects of love where he played Alex. He played the role in London and on Broadway. His album Coming Home To You reached number one in the UK, making it his fourth number one album to date. On the 24th of April 2020, Ball and Captain Tom Moore entered the UK singles charts at number one with a cover of You'll Never Walk Alone, with combined chart sales of 82,000, making it the fastest selling single of 2020. In 1992, Ball represented the United Kingdom in the Eurovision Song Contest, finishing second with the song One Step Out of Time. In 1995, he reprised the role of Marius in La Miserable, the dream casting concert. His other West End roles include Georgie in Passion in 1997, Characters Potts in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang in 2002. He has, he has twice won the Laurence Olivier Award for Best Actor, for Best Actor in a Musical. He won in 2008 for his role as Edna Tembald in Hairspray and then in 2013 for the title role in the revival of Sweeney Todd, The Demon Barber of Fleet Street. Ball was appointed Officer of the Order of the British Empire, OBE, in the 2015 Birthday Honours for his services to musical theatre. Ball was born in Bromsgode in Worcestershire to a Welsh mother and English father. His father, Tony, who originally wanted to be an actor, trained as an Austin apprentice in a Longbridge plant and and progressed to become head of global sales at British Leyland. He was awarded MBE for services to the industry. Ball's maternal grandfather was a coal miner. Ball has a brother, Kevin, who is four years his senior and sister, Catherine, almost a decade his junior. He moved to Dartmoor with his parents when he was three years old. He has never had singing lessons, but as a boy he learned to sing by singing along to music, for example, songs by Ella Fitzgerald, Mahela Jackson and Frank Sinatra. When he was 11 years old he went to Plymouth College, an independent boarding school, because his parents thought this would give him a good education. However, this made him unhappy as he did not fit into the academic and sporting environment at the school at the time. He did join his fellow junior boarders on Sunday morning at their Pathfinder Bible Group 
in St Andrew's Church. One summer he went to Pathfinder's camp on the, uh, on the Isle of Jersey, but was interested in theatre and his father took him to see shows in the school holidays, including a Royal Shakespeare Company production of the Royal Shakespeare Theatre of King Lear, which impressed him as a youngster of about 14 years of age. He joined a youth theatre which led to his studying at Drama Guildford School of Acting where he found an environment that suited him. As a student he went busking on Saturdays in Guildford Town with a female student friend and earned a, li and earned a little extra money. He graduated in 1984. After his graduation, Ball's singing career rapidly got off the ground. His maternal grandmother, having a musical ear, was proud of Ball's early singing achievements. She died suddenly, however, of a heart attack about one week before his debut in the Pirates of Penzance. So, Michael Ball's credits are, roughly, <laughs> there's a lot. After he left drama school, his first part was in Godspell at Aberystwyth Arts Centre. He was in the Pirates of Penzance at, Man at Manchester Opera House. He was then Marius in the original cast of Le Miserable. But he, then he caught glandular fever and it, he took six or seven weeks off sick to recover from the associated tonsillitis and post-viral fatigue. When he returned to work, he was still suffering from fatigue and began to get on stage panic attacks. Oh, bloody hell. Overwhelming anxiety and a rapid heartbeat, sweating and problems with vision. This also started happening at other times, such as when he was going to, going to work. For most of the next nine months, he lived alone in his flat feeling depressed. He did not seek therapy and left the miserable. Thames Television employed him to sing at the Miss England competition. He was then asked by Cameron McIntosh to play Raoul in Phantom of the Opera. He then played Alex in Aspects of Love and he was in Stephen Sodom's Passion. He was then in Sunset Boulevard at Court Copper House and then he was in the Le Miserable Dreamcast for the 10th anniversary concert of Le Miserable in 1995. He played Count Fosco in The Woman in White. He was in Gilbert and Sullivan's Patience. He's in Rocky Horror Show, and he's done a lot of that work with Channel 4's Richard and Judy. He then played Edna Turnbull in Hairspray. Then he was in uh, Sweeney Todd as Sweeney Todd in The Demon at Barbara of Fleet Street. So taking a look at Michael Ball's discography, you got Les Miserables, the original London cast in 1985, The Miserable, the complete symphonic recording in 1988, where he's uh, playing Marius uh, on that and the uh, original London cast. Rage of the Heart concept album in 1989 as Peter Elbert. Aspects of Love, the original cast in 1989 as Alex Dillingham. West Side Story studio cast in 1993 as Tony. The Miserables 10th anniversary, the dream cast in concert in 1995 as Marius. Passion. The original cast in concert in, 1980, in 1997 as Giorgio, Soundum Tonight in 1998 for a concert cast, Hey Mr. Producer, the musical world of Cameron McIntosh in 1998, concert cast Raoul in Phantom of the Opera and Marius and the Miserable, Chit Chitty Bang Bang original London cast in 2002, we played Characters Potts, Sweeney Todd the Demon Barbara Fleet Street, London Revival cast in 2012 as Sweeney Todd, Le Miserable, the staged concert in 2019 as Javert. Oh, he plays Javert. Solo albums, he's done Michael Ball in, in 1992, Always in 1993, One Careful Owner in 1994, First Love in 1995, The Musicals in 1996, The Movies in 1998, The Very Best of Michael Ball in Concert at the Royal Albert Hall in 1999, Christmas 
which was 99 and 2000. This time it's personal in 2000, center stage in 2001, a love story in 2003, love changes everything, the essential Michael Ball in 2004, music 2005, one voice in 2006, back to Bonnock in 2007, past and present, the very best of Michael Ball in 2009, heroes in 2011, both sides now in 2013, if everyone was listening in 2014, coming home to you in 2019, and and this year we have We Are More Than One in 2021. He's on a handful of DVDs, Lady Mo's 10th Anniversary in Concert, Michael Ball Musicals and More in 1996, Andrew Lloyd Webber, The Royal Albert Hawk Celebration in 1998, Hey Mr. Producer, the musical world of Cameron Mackintosh in 1998, Michael Ball at the Royal Albert Hall, Michael Ball this time is personal, Alone Together Michael Ball at the Donmar, Michael Ball live in London, The Best of Michael Ball live in 2006, Michael Ball One Voice One Special Nights live in 2007, Rocky Horror Tribute Show in 2008, Michael Ball, Past and Present, 25th Anniversary Tour in 2009. Michael Ball, A Life on Stage in 2010. Lamer's 25th Anniversary Concert in 2010. Michael Ball, Heroes Live in 2011. Michael Ball, Both Sides Now, Live Tour 2013. Lamer's Arabe, The Stage Concert in 2020 as Javert. And Michael Ball, Alfie Bow, Back Together Live in Concert 2020. So the DVD of today's tour. Now we've had a bit of Michael Ball, we're going to take a look at Alfie Bow. We'll be back after this. If you're a band member or an artist, dancer, singer, actor, street performer, and you're listening to this and you'd like to talk to us on our show about your uh, latest gig or your album release on uh, digital media or even uh, want to talk to us about a student show. How about dropping us an email on musterxmedia1983 at gmail.com and we'll get you on our show. So today we're going to take a look at Alfie Bowe's background. So Alfred Giovanni Roncharlie Bowe, OBE, born 29th of September 1973, is an English tenor and actor, notably performing in musical theatre. He's best known for his performances as Jean Valjean in uh, Le Miserable at the Queen's Theatre in London on, and on the 25th anniversary concert, the 2014 Broadway revival of all-star stage concert he played the lead role in finding neverland on broadway beginning 29th of march in 2016 as well Bo shared a tony award with the other members of the ensemble cast of baz luran's 2002 revival of le bohm in 2003 he sold more than one million albums in the united kingdom Bo, the youngest of the of a family of nine children bloody hell was born in Blackpool, Lancashire, and brought up in nearby Fleetwood. He is of Irish and Norwegian descent. His mother and father named him after the Italian named him after the Italian name of Pope John the Twenty Third. He attended St Wollstone's and St Edmund's School, and and Cardinal Allen Catholic High School in Fleetwood. His earliest musical memories were of listening to his father's Richard Torber records, and he discovered Puccini's Le Bohème for the first time. Bo's first public performance, aged 14, was at Fleetwood's Marine Hall in a Song from the Shows presentation organised by inspirational local singing teacher Lottie Dawson. He said that although he sang only a couple of lines, he was extremely nervous. At the age of 17, Bo became an apprentice mechanic at a TVR factory in Bispam, 
Blackpool. Ooh. So not only can he sing and sing incredibly well, he can fix his own cars and not get ripped off. Anyways, <laughs> he enjoyed he enjoyed entertaining his colleagues by singing opera while he polished the cars. And one day he was overheard by clients with connections in the music industry. He was so impressed that he suggested Bo should go to London and audition at the Doily Cart Opera Company. Well, sorry, I've anglicised that completely. The Doily Cartier opera company. His audition was a success and he gave up polishing cars to embark on a singing career. Bo has not been able to trace the customer who suggested he go for the audition having lost the man's business card. Wow. Bo moved to London and studied singing at the Royal College of Music, the National Opera Studio and at the and the Royal Opera House's Villa Young Artist Programme. In 1999 and 2000 he was featured in the Opera Dude on albums by by the Clint Boone Experience, led by the former led by the former organist of the Innsbruck Carpets. In 1999, he sang Ernest for Scottish Opera in their Opera Go Round production of Don Pascali, touring widely throughout Scotland. Baz Luhrmann, who had spent two years looking for the lead for his Broadway production of Le Boheum, approached Bo for the role. Bo subsequently appeared credited as Alfie Bo in a 2002 Broadway cast recording released by Basmart Live. Bo and the other principal leads and the other principal leads received the, the Tony Honours for Excellence in Theatre in 2003. He has also sung the role at Glenbourne in the National English Opera. In 2006, Bo was signed to the Classic FM Presents label as the first signing in a new venture for the radio station, and his album Classic FM Presents Alfie Bo reached number three in the UK classical chart. At the 2006 Canterbury Festival on, two, on the 27th of October, Bo performed with soprano Hayley Westerner at a concert in Canterbury Cathedral. In November 2006, he was signed to the EMI Classics label, and his first album on that label onward was released in March 2007. Bo toured the UK with the Front Male Voice Choir in February 2007 and took part in the in the first classic FM webcast concert with soprano Natasha Marsh in March. The same month he was appointed as an ambassador at the Prince of Wales Arts and Kids Foundation, a British educational charity working to inspire and educate children by introducing them to the arts, Bo's role being to bring music and opera in particular for those children involved. In April, Bo starred opposite Leslie Garrett and Willard White in the ITV musical of Morse concerts at the Royal Albert Hall. He was also nominated for classical Brit for a classical Brit for best album, missing out to Paul McCartney at the ceremony on the 3rd of May in 2007. Bo performed with Michael Ball in the English National Opera production of Kismet. His live performance of the song Stranger in Paradise from Kismet on the Michael Parkinson show was released as a download single on the 25th of June 2007. In August, Bo realised an ambition to record an album of Nepalotian songs, in which he re which was released in November under the title Le Passanon. On the 24th of August in 2007, he performed at the Arndale Festival alongside Natasha Marsh. On the 19th of October 2007, he performed at Canterbury Cathedral during the Canterbury Festival. Bay performed at the annual Festival of Remembrance at the Royal Albert Hall on the 10th of November 2007. On the 31st of January 2008, Bay performed at the Pleasure Beach Arena Blackpool. 
to more than 1,600 local children in a special music quest concert to introduce the classics to a new generation. The concert celebrated the end of the music quest three-year period, which was sponsored by the Prince of Wales Arts and Kids Foundation and Classic FM Music Makers. On the 3rd of October 2010, Bo took the role of Jean Valjean in a, con in a concert performance of the uh, musical Le Miserable at the O2 Arena in London to celebrate the 25th anniversary of the show, released on DVD and Blu-ray. The concert encore performance of Bring Him Home, credited as the Valjean Quartet, Bo with Colm Wilkinson, John Aaron Jones and Simon Bowman, each of whom has portrayed Valjean in, va in various theatrical productions, was re-recorded at the Abbey Road Studios, was released as a charity CD single and downloaded on the 13th of December 2010. On the 16th of December 2010, Bo once again performed as Valjean in Royal Variety performance in front of Prince Charles and the Duchess of Cornwall singing What Have I Done? and Bring Him Home again alongside Wilkinson, Owen Jones and Bowman. Bo appeared as Valjean in Le Miserable at the Queen's Theatre in London from the 23rd of June to the 26th of November in 2011. His friend, his friend Matt Lucas also joined the cast as Thenardier. During, the, during his run as Valjean, Bo appeared in the Les Miserables vs. Lend Me a Tenor Battle of the Tenors at Soho's Winnet Street in London on the 13th of July 2011. In August, Bo performed with, with the National Symphony Orchestra at Bo CR and Gloucester Hall. In 2015, he reprised his role as Jean Valjean in the Broadway revival Le Miserable at the Imperial Theatre in New York City. He succeeded Ramin Karamlu, who played Andreas in the 25th anniversary concert on the 1st of September in 2015. In February 2019, Bo announced he would reprise the role of Valjean at the Gilgood Theatre at a stage concert production of Le Miserable. Bo shared the role with Jean Owen Jones, who starred opposite Michael Ball, Inspector Javert, with whom he had performed on numerous occasions, and Matt Lucas Tenardio. The production opened on the 10th of August in 2009 at the Gilgood Theatre and closed 2nd of December in 2019. Bo starred as the romantic lead Billy Beglow in Rogers and Hammerstein's Carousel in a limited run at the English National Opera. Directed by Loney Price, opposite vocalist Catherine Jenkins. In January 2011, Bo performed for English National Opera in The Boehm and The Makedo in March 2011. Bo performed three concerts in Idaho, two in Rexburg and one in Sun Valley. In April, Bo appeared in the Great British Musical, The Famous and the Future at the Criterion Theatre and the St George's Day Celebration Concert in Trafalgar Square. In May, Bo performed the Classical Brit Awards Ceremony at the Royal Albert Hall in the Isle of Man and headlined the Hampton Court Palace Festival finale on the 18th of June 2011. And for the next few years, Bo was on the road just touring and going from venue to venue doing his uh, songs, all his classical songs that he loves doing from city to city and country to country. Let's take a look at his discography. So his studio albums, you've got Classical FM Presents Alfie Boat in 2006, Onwards in 2007, Le Passanel in uh, 2007, Friends Le Herre, Le Herre 
Love Was A Dream in 2009, Bring Him Home in 2010, Alfie in 2011, Storyteller in 2012, Trust in 2013, Serenata in 2014, Together with Michael Ball in 2016, Together Again with Michael Ball in 2017, As Time Go By is in 2018, Back Together with Michael Ball in 2019, Together at Christmas with Michael Ball in 2020. Then you had his compilation albums. You'll Never Walk Alone, the collection 2011. Silo and Apart, a collection of songs from their past with Michael Ball in 2017. And uh, he's had a video album of Alfie Bowie Live Bring Him Home Tour in 2012. That is a nice collection of work that he's done over the years. Very impressive. And alongside Michael Ball, their voices are second to none. Yeah, they complement each other very well. Very well indeed. Right. We're going to take a break and we're going to and then when we come back we're going to take a look at their support act Megan McKenna. We'll be back after this. This podcast contains themes that are unsuitable for younger listeners and parental guidance is advised. It's, it's been 30 years since it came. What? What the f- was that? Yeah, I'm the gas. Guys! And we're back. So Megan McKenna was born Megan Elizabeth McKenna on the 26th of September in 1992 and is an English television personality and singer. After making appearances on X on the Beach in 2015 to 2016, she received wider attention for appearing on Celebrity Big Brother in 2016 and the only way is Essex at 2016 to 2017. McKenna then launched her music career, releasing her debut solo album, Story of Me, in 2018, and then she went later went on to win The X Factor Celebrity in 2019. Since her win, McKenna has continued to release music, as well as competing in the BBC series Celebrity Masterchef in 2021. In her autobiography, she's got an autobiography at her age, okay? which was called Malfi, McKenna explained that as a child she was bullied at school. In order for her to attend the arts educational school to study musical theatre, her family relocated to Chiswick. In 2016, McKenna revealed that she suffers from colonic disease. In March... Why do you want to release that? In March 2016, she began dating the Anyways Essex cast member, Pete Wicks, but the pair broke up in 2017. In 2009, she was on Britain's Got Talent as part of the uh, music duo Harmony. In 2010, 2016 and 2017 she was on the Anyway It's Essex as a series regular. In 2015 to 16 she was on X and the Beach which was series 3 in the main cast. In 2016 she was on Celebrity Big Brother. 2017 she's on There's Something About Megan. 2018 celebs on the farm 2019 celebs gay dating 2019 the x factor celebrity which she won and in 2021 she was on celebrity master chef and so far she's only released one album which is called the story of me in 2018 now we've had a bit of her background as well as our principals alfie bow and michael bull we're going to take a look at their show and we're back so megan mckenna well, she walked out to a simple wash of light from the LED washers and some background shapes 
which uh, I mean some background shapes from the static profiles which are used in breakup gobos and rotating them as well. Her starting position was downstage center at the base of the thrust section and then she predominantly did her performance on the thrust and she occasionally walked along the front of the main part of the stage so nothing too elaborate she was just singing to different parts of the crowd and it worked really well. Um, she was highlighted with a nice little touch of a glow from the fodder spot so nothing too in your face you could just just about see her face highlighted by the fodder spot but it wasn't bright it didn't kill her and when I say kill her I mean a theatrical kill where uh, the fodder spot's too bright and it just makes her look like a corpse on stage but none of that it was a nice little tickle of light and you wouldn't even notice that the fodder spot was switched on that's how uh, unless you're looking for it you wouldn't even notice it so that's a nice bit of a theatrical um, glow to it <laughs> and I love that I love it nice bit of subtle uh, effect on that every song was the same lighting state but with a different color on the profile units so you had the blue from the washers and the profiles they would just change from from white to magenta to uh, orange to uh, yellow but in between uh, yellow and orange so just nice little complementary colors and that's about it at the end of the day they have to keep all the uh, best lights for the main act and she held it really well it looked really well uh, there, and the type of songs she was singing she didn't require massive lighting designs because they're nice intimate songs now I know very little about Megan McKenna and reading up on her I kind of made a judgment I judged a bit by a cover and I based my judgment on reality TV shows that she had uh, been in. Now I'm not a fan of reality TV shows, I refuse to watch them on the basis that most people on there are absolutely talentless. And I just thought oh my god this is going to be a load of hype as soon as I found out that Megan McKenna is more of a reality TV star than a singer. And then as soon as she opened up her mouth on that first note of her song, I instantly got smacked by absolute regret and harsh judgment of myself for judging for judging her singing abilities before even before I've even heard it I was shocked I was dumbfounded and I have to say in the unlikely instance that Megan McKenna is actually listening to this I humbly apologize I'm so sorry for judging you without even listening to you beforehand I'm so sorry for making a judgment upon based upon your uh, reality TV shows I'm sorry I'm absolutely sorry because you can sing you can sing really well and very intimidatingly powerfully as well vocally she had a very diverse range she was she sang in different styles every song she sang was a different style to the next uh, to the previous song and she adapted her vocal ability to the style of that song it worked it really worked and she had bare minimum effects on her voice. She just had a little bit of <coughs> she just had a little bit of reverb to give it a nice wet feel to it. But other than that, nothing else. Nothing else. There's only one criticism that I have for her entire set. Why did they not give her the use of the band? Seriously, every single track that she did was on track. And I just thought it took away from her actual hard work and actual performance 
Why did they not give her use of the band? Seriously. For a 20 minute set, they should have just given her the band for 20 minutes. They'll have their break at the interval and then they go on to do their two hour show. Give her the band, seriously. She would have had even more of a stronger performance. Well, her performance was strong as it is. It would have been an absolutely flawless performance had she had the band. I mean, she did very well with the track. She was definitely above karaoke. There's nothing karaoke about her vocal performance. She did very, very well with having a track. <laughs> I can't explain it more, really. I really can't. Even though the audience were much older than her typical audience, they slowly began to warm up to her. I, I personally believe that a lot of them didn't know who she was and then some would have said oh yeah she's a reality TV star and they would have judged her like me which is wrong but it happens yeah I judged her before she before I even heard her a lot of the audience must have done the same thing because from her first song throughout her entire performance every round of applause at the end of her song was getting louder and louder and louder until they loved her <laughs> she did really well, she did everything right. I do hope that we do see more of Megan McKenna in her own right on her own shows. She just needs a bit more material to be able to fly solo. But what a way to uh, start off at, to, f to properly get on the road with her singing career. You know, going on the coattails of Alfie Bow and Michael Ball good way and a good introduction to the touring life it really is it really is now we've gone over Megan McKenna's live performance we're going to move straight on to Ball and Bow as soon as the house lights went down for the start of Ball and Bow's performance in blackout the screen at the back came on and there were multiple TVs with images and sound bites of Michael Ball and Alfie Bow doing their own performances as well as performances together. Press interviews, little clips here and there. And then once that intro had finished, the intro lasted for about roughly about a minute, maybe a little bit longer. They went to blackout. And then the band fired up and from centre stage, because there's a staircase either side of the stage going towards the middle, appeared uh, Alfie Bow and Michael Ball and they started singing Dancing in the Street. Now I don't know if it's because today, uh, today, if it was because today's performance was the last performance of the tour, and vocally Alfie Bow and Michael Ball were tired. But personally, I don't think that was a good song for them to open up in, because their voices to me didn't suit that particular song. Just they, they're more musical theatre and opera orientated. For their vocals but for a pop song like that it just didn't sound right maybe it was because it was the end of their tour the last day and they're vocally tired you would be if you're doing show after show after show are in a small in a short space of time because their tour was a christmas tour for december and it would have been show day off 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 so that's a very intense tour. Most tours are a couple of days between. You might get the odd back-to-back -back show from venue to venue, but it's a lot of shows in a small space of time. So vocally, they might have been tired, but I just think that song 
when I saw when I heard it and saw it, it just didn't fit. I may be wrong. You you may have heard you may have heard it and liked it, but I personally think that vo their vocal ability didn't match that particular song for various factors, as I as I've already said. Although when they sung their musical songs, they hit the nail on the head. But then again. They've trained their voices to uh, sing those particular types of songs. So when they, you know, when they've been performing in the West End and they're singing every day, you know, that's the kind of stuff that they're used to singing every single day. So because of the voice is muscle memory. At the end of the day, your voice is generated by the muscles in your throat, even as far as your mouth and tongue position. So with the with respect of the uh, pop songs. They don't have the muscle memory for it, whereas uh, with the songs that they typically would sing, they do have the muscle memory for it. And uh, we're, even with a tired voice, they'll be able to uh, be able to sing to that degree. Throughout the whole performance, they got massive round of applause uh, in between songs. They did, and the audience they generally loved it. They generally loved it. We only had one uh, walkout that night, and. I'm not even sure why there was a walkout. Maybe because that particular audience member didn't agree with some people being exempt from wearing a mask, or maybe, she, maybe that person didn't want to didn't want to wear a mask. And but we don't know. We don't know. All I know is that there was one walkout, and that was it. So one walkout out of a sold-out performance, which we had a 80% attendance. So that did really well. It really did. Now, unfortunately for uh, Bo and uh, Ball, when they was doing their Queen medley towards the end of the show, there was a lot of feedback. Sometimes it can't be helped. It all depends on the microphone's position in relation to the uh, line arrays and the monitors. So, if they happen to come in close proximity to its fit to the field of the, whichever speaker, it will feed it back and. It is hard to combat when you're on the sound desk, but it is doable. There are programs to help uh, eradicate certain frequencies. And so it could be a combination of things, but that whole Queen Medley, unfortunately there was a feedback king within that performance. It's unfortunate, it really is. With the exception of that bit of feedback in that medley, there was absolute clarity between Alfie Bow and Michael Ball. Plenty of clarity between the principal singers and uh, the backing singers, as well as every individual member of the band. So the Noise Boy did really well to wrestle a big orchestra and six microphones at the same time. So a nice, nice bit of sound engineering. So it, for me, it just I would put it down to the feedback being more down to position of members of the vocal ensemble than uh, the sound engineer himself. But it was relatively rectified quickly each time, but each song within that Queen Medley, it just had a ring of feedback to it. So, yeah, again, just very unfortunate, it really is. The lighting design, now that was a combination of a rock show setup and theatrical lighting. The rock show setup was the side lighting, the uh, the LED strobes and the LED washers all uh, working as though it's a proper concert show and then you had the theatrical lighting aspect so when there's the theatrical songs there's a nice little pools of isolation light 
within certain sections of the stage so yes it just reverts between the two styles and it was done really well actually it really was not too much uh, with the isolation pools of light and uh, within the Les Mis section done very dark because Les Mis is dark they kind of followed the same ethos of each West End show that they were singing from and now with the vision mixing on the big screen behind them they had moving images throughout and then mixed into that image they had camera left and camera right which in each camera was uh, one of the principles predominantly in that frame and they're being uh, they're being mixed in and out between the uh, between the songs it looks good look good especially when they went on black and white because i love when things go black and white it's got a nice nostalgic feeling to it and they weren't afraid of using it it looks really good towards the end of the show was a uh, nice little blues brothers medley and Megan McKenna came out and sang part of that, which I thought was a great touch, you know, having their uh, special guest and support singer doing that. Worked really well. Worked really well. Then, at the very end of the show, you had you had a Christmas selection of songs. And they were saying, as Christmas songs should be sung, nice and lively and homely and full of, full of Christmas cheer, shall we say. And then, at one point, when the, when the intro for All I Want For Christmas Is You sounded, these female vocals appeared to be coming out of Alfie Bo's mouth. But he got tapped on the shoulder by uh, Megan McKenna when she was halfway through singing the song. It's a nice little gag, it works well. It's an old gag, it really is, you know, doing the old switcheroon, but it works, especially for a show like that, and it's been a long time since I've seen that gag. But it, is an old one i have to say it is an old one now how did the audience react i loved them them old dears in the audience they loved alfie bow and uh, michael ball they always have and they always will do every at the end of every song there was a nice there was a lovely round of applause and at the end of the show there was a standing ovation there was everyone in that audience enjoyed the show absolutely everyone and at the end of the show with the bow, you could just tell, you could just tell that Alfie Bow and Michael Ball loved being on that stage, singing in front of a big group of their fans. It's great. Great to see stuff like that, it really is. It's very heartwarming to say the least. A nice mutual bit of uh, love between the acts and their fans. If you've enjoyed today's podcast, please hit like, subscribe and share. And if you haven't already done so, want to check out our other podcast from Master X Media. The links for those are in the description below. Until next time, guys. Bye for now.